Hi, my name is Michael, and welcome back to the USC Christian Challenge podcast. As midterm season is now underway, we always need some wisdom to navigate these next few weeks of school. But sometimes, the wisdom that we receive is detrimental to the way we walk with God. So how should we approach these different types of wisdom? Considering in our new series, Real Faith in a Real World, Aaron is going to describe how we should respond to these different types of wisdoms we can encounter as we go through the book of James. Welcome to Challenge. This room is a miracle, guys. Um, God's provision and getting this room set up. So I know and I'm expectant for what God has for us because it was chaos, pure and utter chaos. But it's a privilege to be with you guys. If I haven't met you yet, my name is Aaron. I'm on staff with Christian Challenge. Uh, freshmen are where I spend the majority of my time, and I love it. And so if you haven't met a freshman, this class is pretty amazing. I know I'm quite partial, but um, I would encourage you to, to meet some and get to know them. They've been a real blessing in my life. So we are continuing a series tonight on the book of James, going through the letter that Jesus' brother wrote to the church about practical Christian living. This book really helps us know how to respond to God, but also how to maintain just Christ-like relationships with each other. So tonight we're going to look at what James has to say about wisdom. Foolish behavior sometimes can be a lot easier to recognize than wisdom. So I spent the last weekend in the Bay Area with my aunt and uncle, and my aunt is a retired emergency room nurse. And so she had this really large magnet, and I didn't take a picture of it, but I Googled it, and clearly ER nurses love this saying. And so I thought I would share it with you guys tonight. So an ER nurse, the first person you see after you say, hold my beer, watch this. Um, My aunt is just full of stories, and she could just regale you guys with so many people who've made really bad choices as a result of alcohol or all sorts of other um, peer pressure things. But I thought, you know, foolish behavior really does leave its mark on us and leaves its mark on the people around us. While the stories can be entertaining, right, the scars remain, as do the regrets. But wisdom can be a bit trickier to recognize. To many people, wisdom just seems boring. Like, why would I want to leave a boring life? Well, I'm I'm glad you came tonight. I think James has some things to teach us about how wisdom is not boring at all and actually is a much better way to live. But in our culture, we typically associate wisdom with age, right? It's like, if you have gray hair and wrinkles, then you have to be wise. It's just, that's what happens as you age. And so those people, if they were here tonight, would be like, well, none of you guys could possibly possess wisdom. You haven't lived long enough, right? But James says, that's not true at all. Wisdom really has nothing to do with age. And it is possible to be wise regardless of your age. And he has some warnings to give us about the wrong kind of wisdom. But worldly wisdom really leads to a totally different destination than wisdom from God. So I'd like to start initially by just differentiating between knowledge and wisdom. So you guys are at USC. You're paying a lot of money to get good knowledge, right? The Trojan family, like this is great. Um, Knowledge is, you know, you have the understanding or information about something, a particular subject. But wisdom is different. It's the ability to apply that knowledge to everyday life. It's in the reading and the understanding of God's word that we obtain knowledge, but it's in the meditating and the applying of God's word that we attain wisdom. So to introduce the passage a little bit tonight, 
since some of you haven't been here for the whole series, welcome parents and family. We're really glad that you're choosing to spend your Thursday night with us. Um, James's primary point in this letter is about what we do, how we live our lives, not how smart we are, not the amount of knowledge that we have. And we often think of wisdom as like just having the right answers. When you don't know what to do, it's just about the answers. But James points out that wisdom is as wisdom does. It's kind of what Eric was sharing about a couple weeks ago about in James 2, when James says, I will show you my faith by my good works. And so what he wrote about faith really dovetails with what James writes about wisdom. A wise person's life is seen in humility by their good deeds. Like Proverbs points out repeatedly, humility is an essential component to wisdom. When you look around for someone who is wise, the key sign is someone who's lived their life well, someone who has extended and spent their life benefiting others. True wisdom requires that I die to myself again and again and again, and that's hard. I don't wake up in the morning wanting to do that. So wisdom isn't necessarily found amongst the people who have the most degrees or the most achievements. In this passage, James really explains that wise people are those who choose humility, who do good, who love and pursue peace, live purposefully and gently. A wise person will be knowledgeable, but a knowledgeable person may not necessarily be wise. So kind of think of it like this, like a knowledge, knowledge can help you pass a seminary class, right? But wisdom is walking with God daily, in, day in, day out. You know, a lot of you are architects, like knowledge or engineers, you can read a blueprint, someone can build a house, but it's wisdom that makes it a home, right? If we think of wisdom measured by like SAT scores, GRE, LSAT, MCAT, where you got into school, that's the wrong approach. That's not how wisdom is defined. You know, our culture deeply values education. And I, for one, am grateful for that. I'm really a product of that thinking. My parents deeply valued education and sacrificed greatly for me to have the education I have. And I've been privileged to travel to different countries in the world where women are not educated because they're not valued like they are here. So I'm deeply grateful for my education. But at the same time, education is limited, right? Wisdom is not something that's taught in class. You like cram forth the night before, answer the questions, and then you forget about it a couple of days later. That's not what wisdom is. Education has limits. Some of us got to go to Israel this summer and the, we stepped off the plane, we meet our tour guide and he's smoking a cigarette and he offers one to me and I was like, oh, I think I'm good. We've been traveling for like days. And I'm like, no, thanks. He's like, oh, you don't smoke? No. He's like, does anybody in your group smoke? I was like, no. <laughs> but I was thinking, and he, he knew, like he was educationally, he'd been raised in Europe and he was living in Israel now. Like he could tell me why it was bad not to smoke, but education doesn't solve every problem, right? Education doesn't change our hearts or cure us from addictions, right? Well, wisdom, wisdom is different. Wisdom has feet. Wisdom is an action. Wisdom goes places. So if you want to be wise, you get to know God. You can get to know God through his word. According to scripture, true wisdom comes from God. And anyone who wants to be wise must start by fearing and submitting their life to him. So let's begin by reading this passage in James. It's just a quick blurb, and then we'll walk our way through it. So this is found in James 3, 13 through 18. It will be on the screen, or you can pull out your Bibles, whatever you prefer. So it says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that come from wisdom. 
But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder in every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. So in this passage, James kind of begins it by questioning like our concept of who is wise and understanding. And James doesn't wait for them to think through, okay, all those who think you're wise line up on this side of the room and those who aren't sure on this side of the room. He goes ahead and just answers his own question, doesn't he? He says, the truly wise, the truly understanding is one whose faith in God leads to selfless good works. That wise people live in humility, setting themselves aside to serve others. But that's not worldly wisdom, which leaves each person responsible to serve ourselves. You know, we are all born with that me first mentality. I've never met anyone who has, doesn't have that. It's just ingrained in us as sinful humans. And earthly attitudes are really driven by this envy for what others have and this ambition to get it for myself. The result is disorder and evil practice instead of the peace, gentleness, and mercy that follow by living by heaven's wisdom. So tonight, we're gonna look at some lists. I really like lists. I hope you guys like lists. Sometimes I have like lists for lists. So I appreciate James's lists. So we're gonna look at a lot of lists tonight because James used lists and we, I like that about James. So um, in order to get on the same page though, we're first gonna look about what is the source of true wisdom? So James 1.5, we talked about that very first week, says this, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. So this James, James is the brother of Jesus. He likely grew up going to the synagogue. He knew the Old Testament very well. So Proverbs 2.6 says this, for the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. So repeatedly, the Bible makes clear that wisdom comes from God and we can know God through his word. So we're first gonna look at worldly wisdom and go through this section of the scripture. Now I'm gonna reread verses 14 through 16. Then we're gonna move on to heavenly wisdom. So let's read this again, 14 through 16 in James 3. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come from heaven, but is earthly and spiritual demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. So we're gonna look at first the evidence of worldly wisdom. There's three. So the first one is bitter envy. Envy is essential, essentially being resentful of advantages that are enjoyed by other people. So it's interesting because we can be envious of people who have things we want, and we're also envious of people who have things we don't want. We're just envious creatures, aren't we? But if you think about it, rarely are we envious of people who are not similar to us. Like, I'm not envious of like my cardiologist, my electrophysiologist, my endocrinologist. Like, no, they're an upper level. Like, I'm not that smart. The sight of blood makes me nauseous. Like, I don't want to go to school for that long. I'm not envious of them. I respect them. I appreciate them. But we're not on the same level in any way. But it, generally, we tend to be envious of people who are similar to us, right? People in the same major, people with the same career, people whose lives line up a little more similarly with ours. So we can identify with them. We can relate to them in an easier way. So that envy, though, really impacts our friendship with them over time. So I can be resentful of something they have and even something they don't have. I just want it, right? There's just that me self-seeking nature inside of me. 
So that's bitter envy. And then the second thing is selfish ambition. This is the idea that I'll step on as many people as I need to to get where I want to be. It's an ugly truth, isn't it? And not all ambition is bad, right? But this self-centered ambition is bad because the drive behind it is no matter the cost, I've got to get ahead. I once knew a freshman in the science honors program that was struggling with her homework and asked a friend and the friend lied to her so she would get the homework wrong. I was like, I don't want you as my doctor. <laughs> like if you're not willing to help someone out on their homework, but that, that's the idea of like, I have got to get ahead and I'm willing to hurt you to get what I want. So it's the self-exalting, like willing to stoop really low to divisive ways to get what I want. So it kind of bring this home so you understand it. Envy says, I want what they have. It implies that there's a benefit though to selfish ambition, which says, I will do whatever it takes to get that for myself. And then the third evidence of worldly wisdom is self-deception. James warns his readers, don't lie to yourself. I don't know about you, but I lie to myself more than anybody else lies. Like, I mean, that I'm aware of. You guys can be lying to me all the time, but I lie to myself a lot. It's something I struggle with. Friends remind me, you need to tell yourself the truth, Aaron. I'm telling you guys, tell yourselves the truth. Don't lie to yourselves. That's what James is saying. But to boast about such attitudes as envy and selfish ambition is really to deny the truth. This self-deception is kind of the worst kind of deception in many ways. So James is saying, if you have envy and if you have selfish ambition in your heart, then whatever you do, don't go around boasting that you're wise. Don't do that. Because remember from the intro that real wisdom is in humility, found in humility, and that's how it works its way out. It's not full of pride. So let's move on to the source of worldly wisdom. Um, the first one is earthly. So earthly suggests a perspective that fails to consider God's realm or will. So this wisdom is bound in the earth and it comes from the earth. It has no lasting value. It's in contrast to heavenly wisdom, right? Heavenly wisdom originates with God, it has eternal value. So the things of this earth corrupt, they decay. We know that as our bodies are decaying every day. You guys don't know that, but you will. Um, you're in the, I, I was telling Jeremy last night as we were walking to my car, you were in the prime of your life and I've never seen so many people on electric everything. I'm like, you could pedal. I Trust me, someday you're not gonna be able to pedal and you're gonna regret not using your quadriceps while they work. Like just pedal on your own. It's so funny to watch this. Um, but really all the aspirations of earthly wisdom are measured by achievement in the here and now, right? It has to do with just what's here. So the second thing is unspiritual. It's fleshly, it's unspiritual. Earthly wisdom really has no understanding of spiritual concepts. It's devoid of the work of God's spirit and it's not concerned at all with spiritual things. And then the third thing is demonic. James made it pretty clear in verse 14 that the people who live according to earthly wisdom are living a lie and that's not true heavenly wisdom. The lie finds its origin in the father of lies, the devil himself. And worldly wisdom, he says, is ultimately rooted in the spiritual forces of evil. So what is the result, though, of worldly wisdom? What does this look like? James paints this picture of disorder and every evil practice. So it's this idea of like confused thinking, disruptive decision-making, unsettledness. So he says, you find disorder, and then eventually, if it goes unchecked, you find every evil practice. You're like, why is that? An illustration I found when I was doing research and I thought this painted such a cool picture is like, you know when you're, well, you don't know because none of us remember that, being in utero attached to our mom with the umbilical cord 
Um, it's the idea that, that God is attached to us through his revelation, through his people, and we'll get to the point where people just decide to sever that. Though I can do on my own. I don't need you, God. So the people have now begun to think earthly and spiritually and devilishly. But this opens our eyes, right, to the power of God's word and the gift it is that we have it accessible to us on our phones, you know, on our tablets, in the, on Amazon. You could order any translation in any language that you could possibly speak, I imagine. Um, what a gift that is to us that we don't have to live trapped in this worldly wisdom. So just to make sure we're clear on worldly wisdom before we move on to heavenly wisdom, the source is it's earthly, it's unspiritual, it's of the devil. The characteristics, bitter envy, selfish ambition, and self-deception. The results, disorder, and eventually every evil practice. But the Bible has warnings for us, but it also has encouragement for us. Thank goodness, right? You're like, this is getting really discouraging, Aaron. Um, but the Bible's invitation is to turn us to Jesus, where true wisdom is found. So let's look at um, verses 17 and 18 in James 3. It says this, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. So the primary attribute of heavenly wisdom is purity. Purity can, can be synonymous with holiness. And so we know wisdom comes from God. God is pure, that God is holy. So purity indicates that it's, it's immaculate. There's no additives added to it. It's not mingled or mixed. It's, it's original. Because you think of that, whenever you would mix even just the slightest bit of man's wisdom into God's wisdom, you've changed it all. It's no longer wisdom from God. The idea of adding the slightest error to truth, it's no longer truth, right? So let's move on and talk about the attitude of heavenly wisdom. So the first one is peaceable. You know, seeking peace in relationships is a repeated theme in Scripture over and over again, right? Think about yourself, like, ask God to reveal, are you someone who is stirring up strife, controversy over things? If so, then you're not acting in heavenly wisdom. Sometimes it's helpful for me to kind of think of the opposite so I better understand what it means. So the opposite of peace is contentious. A contentious spirit sits quite happily in the back seat with envy and selfish ambition, right? But a peaceable person, the wisdom that's peaceable, does not get in the Uber with the people who are, or with not the people, with envy and selfish ambition, right? It's like, no, no, I'll take the next Uber. I'm not getting in that car. The peaceable nature that's described, it's not like a doormat where, you know, you're just being rolled over by people day in and day out. No, these are people who love peace. Because for those of us who are children of God, Peacemaking is in our DNA, right? It's part of our identity as followers of Jesus. So people know that we're children of God because we show the family likeness, right? We have been given peace from God, and so we build peace with other people. The second thing is considerate, characterized by consideration. I think this one is interesting because you can't practice this one without being around other people. Like, if you lived in a studio apartment all by yourself, then of course you're considerate, right? You have no one else to consider, you know? I always feel like I'm considerate, and then I go home for Christmas with my family, and I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I love, I've been longing for this day. But then I get here, and I'm like, oh, can we just sleep? Um, and also the time change, right? It's like, I want to stay up so late, and they want to get up so early. But I really do love my family, and I'm grateful for them. But honestly, it's like I feel considerate until 
that's bumped up against. And they're like, oh, I'm, I'm really not that considerate. So the opposite of considerate would be quarrelsome. Wisdom from heaven is not quarrelsome. Wisdom is considerate, right? Wisdom is also submissive. The word literally means to be easily persuaded. So willing to defer to others, as long as it's not like a core doctrinal or moral issue, right? So James 1, 19 says that we should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to be angry. So it's the idea of being quick to listen, right? That we know people who are submissive choose to yield for the sake of peace, right? We want to be peacemaking people, so we yield. Um, it doesn't mean that you fold over every time an opinion is expressed and you don't agree with it, not at all. It's kind of the picture of more like a child and a parent, or maybe even in the military, some of you who are in ROTC, the idea of willing to listen, willing to be persuaded by what is good and by what is best. It's not digging in your heels and trying to convince people that your way is or the highway, right? It's a beautiful, wonderful characteristic. So those are the attitudes of heaven. Remember, we said we're talking about a lot of lists tonight. We're moving on to the next list. This is the action of heavenly wisdom. The actions of heavenly wisdom are this, two things, full of mercy. We talked about this a couple weeks ago when I shared about favoritism, how God is full of mercy. And as followers of him and as recipients of his mercy, we have experienced it, we've received it, and it should just flow right through us to those around us, that we should be just mercy-giving machines because we have experienced the mercy of God. And the next thing is full of good fruits. So when James writes about faith, he writes about faith that is seen, right? There's evidence of it. It's a spiritual harvest of our lives that prove God is at work in each of us. And so I want to um, cause you guys to think about agriculture. I know that this is not something you typically think about in downtown LA, but I grew up in Oklahoma, so we're going to take a moment to give a nod to my Oklahoma roots. Um, so if you think about the people, since sometimes we, I struggle with this too, quarrelsome troublemakers, when we choose envy and selfish ambition, the harvest of our life is that weed-infested crop of disorder and evil deeds. Like we're just sowing that seed left and right. And when it crops up, it's not pretty, right? But wisdom's fruit is one that honors God and really blesses other people. So the fruit doesn't make us, the, the fruit reveals us. So if you were to come to Western Oklahoma with me next summer when it was harvest time, and you would go to my grandfather's farm, I would, he's with Jesus, so my uncles run the farm now. And my great-great-grandparents, like, they homesteaded this land. So this is like a really big deal. So there's wheat and there's cotton and there's alfalfa. You may not recognize alfalfa, but you could tell the difference between wheat and cotton, even you who grew up in the city, right? And so the wheat and cotton reveal what the plant is. So it should be with our lives, right? The fruit of our lives reveals the wisdom. So we're almost done with the lists. Two more lists and then we're done. I want to look at what is absent from heavenly wisdom. So the things that are absent from heavenly wisdom are this. It's without partiality, undivided. It's the sense of unwavering loyalty to God. And James will speak a few sentences later, and that's going to come next week or the week after, about how we can't be a friend of God and a friend of the world at the same time. Heavenly wisdom holds unswervingly to the truth in love. And then without hypocrisy, it's sincere it's not using a mask or a cover-up. It's the real deal. So think about, for just a minute, the impact that living out these qualities would have on your relationships with your roommates, with your sweet mates who take for showers that are like 
27 minutes long when you're trying to get out the door in the morning or your, your group members when no one is pulling their part and you're having to do it all. Life is so hard. Think about how the conflicts would be resolved in a different way and the friendships would thrive as you lived out these qualities. You know, the reality is we live in a broken, fallen world. The world, the flesh, the devil, all these forces combine to just pull us away each and every day, farther and farther from God's heart. Worldly was in what we know from what we've seen in James's passages that it causes disharmony in a relationship. It does harm. James would encourage us and is encouraging us, take an honest look at yourself. Each of us should. Do I possess wisdom? Am I full of wisdom? Do I even want to grow in wisdom? And I'm willing to put in the effort to grow in wisdom because we're not going to just be zapped with it, clearly. Um, Proverbs talks again and again about how it's worth more than all these riches combined, more than magna cum laude, more than like, I don't know, what your dream PhD program, that wisdom is worth so much more than you could put a price tag on. So you may be asking, or you may not be asking, but I'm going to answer it for you anyway. Um, how can I grow in wisdom, Aaron? I came here tonight and I want to be wise. I'm glad you asked. I would encourage you four things. Jesus. He's always the answer, right? We were talking about this last night in Freshman Connection. <laughs> so um, the first step toward heavenly wisdom is really submitting and surrendering your life to Jesus. Wisdom begins with Jesus. Colossians 2, 3, Colossians 2, 2 and 3 says, in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So that's the first thing. The second thing is time in God's word. None of us are born wise. We all start out the same place. Wisdom is from God, and we learn wisdom from God through his word. So God's desire is that we would follow him. So we, as his people, are set apart, and we're making God-honoring choices and living godly lives. And only his work in us can help us do that. So the word gives us wisdom. You know, thousands of years before James even wrote this passage, Moses was telling this large group of people about to go in the promised land, this passage from Deuteronomy, he was saying, you know, your wisdom is going to be evident to those around you if you will obey God and walk in his commands. So he says this in Deuteronomy 4, 5 through 6. See, I have taught you decrees and laws that the Lord my God commanded me so that you may follow them in the land you are entering to take possession of it. Observe them carefully, for this will show your wisdom and understanding to the nations who will hear about all these decrees and say, surely this nation is a wise and understanding people. So the third thing is, friendship. We talk a lot about how your friendships determine the direction and the quality of your life. Solomon writes in Proverbs 13, 20, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companions of fools suffer harm. You, know, you can really grow in wisdom if you will choose to have your core group, the people who know you best and their voice is the loudest in your life, to be people who are running hard after Jesus and are trying to live out heavenly wisdom. And the last thing is ask God for wisdom. Scripture tells us to ask in James 1, 5, it says, but if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. You know, I think it's, it's amazing to me that the God of the universe invites us to ask for wisdom, and he doesn't give it sparingly with a little tea dropper. No, he gives it generously. We gotta ask, right? So as we wrap up, I'd like just to invite you to use your imaginations a little bit and think about what your life would be like if you just began to pursue heavenly wisdom. 
and you did so day after day after day, that cumulative effect over time, what would your life be like when you graduate, when you finish grad school, when you get married, when you're 60? You can't even picture being that old, right? Um, I don't know about you, but I don't wanna just be thought of wise because I've got gray hair and a lot of wrinkles. I want to be wise. I want wisdom to characterize my life. I wanna be daily growing in wisdom, how it changes my perspectives and the way I relate to people and the way I react when I, I don't get what I want, when other people get what I want, when other people succeed and, and I don't, how it changes the way I spend my time and what I give my money to, right? What a different life that could be. It's your choice. It's my choice. God is not gonna impose his wisdom on any of us, but it's accessible. It's accessible to every single one of us and he's not stingy. So what is one thing you could do to implement from what you learned from this passage in James tonight to move you closer to growing in heavenly wisdom? Think on that tonight, right before you doze into sweet dreams. May that be your last thought that you think clearly. Let me pray and we'll invite up this amazing worship band. Father, we are so grateful for your word, for preserving it, for the wisdom that it is for how it helps us get to know you and understand your heart. And I do just pray that, that you would remind us the choices that we make each and every day, what path of wisdom we're pursuing, that you would help us to see when we are choosing the world's wisdom and really the ultimate destination of where that leads and that we would lean into you, we would lean into other God-fearing people and that we would choose your wisdom again and again and again and that we would grow in wisdom every day till we see you face to face. In your name we pray. Thanks for listening to the USC Christian Challenge podcast. You can find us on your favorite podcast platforms, such as Apple Music or Spotify, where you can also give us a review. We meet every Thursday night on the campus of the University of Southern California. To get involved and find more about us, upcoming events, and weekly small groups on Instagram at USC Challenge, and on our website, uscchristianchallenge.com.